Hey everyone, welcome back and welcome to episode six of season three of Whiskey Queens. This week we're wrapping up our time on Irish whiskey and drunk Irish whiskey history, but thankfully I get to drink my way through it with a new favorite, Slain Irish Whiskey. I promise that'll soften the blow for all of us. Next week we're off to Scotland, but don't forget if you like what you're hearing, be sure to check us out at whiskeyqueens.com, at the Whiskey Queens on Instagram, and be sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, and here's the show. Hello. Spin it. I did. Oh, I spilt it. Damn it. Damn it. It's all over the place. Sorry. Hey, everyone. How are you? Trash. I I am trash. I just spilt whiskey all over my desk. Thankfully, it's a non-porous surface. Um, welcome Suck to episode six. Six. We're wrapping up this, Ireland. This is episode six, and we are indeed wrapping up our time in the delightful country of Ireland. Yeah, but we'll be there one day, so it's all good. We will, and we'll record it from there as well. Mm, it'll be grand. Um, mm. So yes, yeah, so we're wrapping up Ireland this week. Um, but uh, any particular reason why you're drinking today as I'm spilling whiskey all over the fucking place? Well, I'm not doing that. Um, well, as I say, every podcast, because I like to drink or enjoy drinking, I can never remember how I say it each mm-hmm. time, so I mix it up for everybody. Um, that and a number of reasons, right? But I think the one that we're both sort of boop, 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 boop about yay is I got my first Fauci ouchy uh, yesterday, so that's exciting. Mm-hmm. I did too. Today was my first Fauci ouchy, I guess. So I'm one day behind you, <laughs> or jab, depending on the jab. country you're in. Yep, uh, I'm calling it a Fauci ouchy. So. Nope. Got mine today. It was seamless. I will say the folks up. Well, in let me Portland. tell you, public health girl, you got it. They did good. I want to say, including my 15 minute wait to see if you go into anaphylactic shock. Mm-hmm. I was in the convention center or the expo center for 20 minutes total. That was like, hi, are you here for an appointment today? All the way through like ID checking through the jab and then the 15 minute waiting. And then I was gone and I'm like, I'm done. I'm, yeah, it was the same experience for me at the convention center here in DC. And I mean, you've been in the convention center, it's huge. So yeah. like you enter at one end and they're like, we're going to make you walk a block inside the convention <laughs> center to get to the room we're actually going to jab you in. It and then they're in. like, here's a clipboard, fill this out while you're in line. I'm like, could we slow the line down so yeah. I can actually <laughs> fill this fucker out? Like literally by the time I finish the form, the guy's like, here you go, I'll take that. You go talk to this person for your check. And I was like, like i'm not this is happening so fast yep uh but it was great and totally smooth and and you know gives me hope Uh, exactly so are you can i ask are you a pfizer a moderna a j and j i'm in house pfizer you're in house pfizer okay i'm in house pfizer as well um Although this is not house or vaccine shaming because I can't stand the fucking TikTokers out there that are like, no. are you Pfizer? Are you, oh, you're Johnson and Johnson. Just be happy someone got their shot and move on. Do not vaccine shame. Just be happy they no. got the goddamn jab. Do not. And treat it, you just pretend like it's Harry Potter. Yeah. The, the sorting hat decided I was house Pfizer. Correct. If it decided I was J&J or Moderna, I would have been like, stick the fucker in my arm. Yeah. Give me what you got. Give me what you got. I'm very excited. So I go back on May yeah. 5th and I get my second one. I go, I go back one of those days. TBD. <laughs> Only TBD because I can't do the actual day that I'm scheduled. So I need to reschedule, oh. as we like to say. 
Uh, also, you know, I just noticed is that you are so diligent and delightful and we love you so much because you actually fill out Tell the me section more. on why are you drinking this week in the show notes and I never fucking do. <laughs> Only we see that part. I don't like copy and paste all this shit into show I know. Notes. So by we, I meant the royal we. As in oh, me. the collective you and I. Yes. Yeah. Um, I do try and put something there so I know because sometimes I get flustered and forget. Um, or something happens in my day where I'm like, no, I'm drinking because this sucks. And I this helps yeah. me stay focused. So girl, what are we drinking? We're both drinking Slain Irish whiskey this week. And I'm loving mine. I've so normally only you have this problem because she likes to drink. Um, but Shut I've <laughs> my bottle, you can't tell because it's a dark bottle, but I've had a that's a my biggest complaint. Amount. I'm not gonna fucking lie to you. It's my biggest complaint is I cannot see the volume in the bottle. And I'm like, am I a fucking mess? Am I not a mess? I can't, I can't tell. Oh, if you shine your oh shit. I just shined my phone's light through the bottle and I have had more than I thought I had. That's a lot of work um, to shine my phone's well, light. Well, I'm curious about my consumption and how apparently did you do that? I can't even tell. It, it, I don't know how to explain flashlights to you. I'm using the fucker. <laughs> I just it's it's not working. So okay. my bottle is light proof. Oh, just okay. to uh, prove to me that I must have some sort of self-constraint. Okay, okay, so you have more more self-constraint than I do because I have made a pretty heavy dent in this bottle. Um, and we came across this bottle. No, don't, don't, don't put a presumptionness of self-restraint into my corner because I, I don't got it. I'm being, just saying I can't tell. You can't, I was being kind. Um, but we came across Slane because the brand ambassador, Becky, who I'll talk about later on, reached out to us really early on in our podcast journey. And when we started doing Irish whiskey, I reached back out to her. We got to connect with her and talk all about Slain and the history behind it. Um, so it's been really enjoyable, like researching this and talking about it and drinking it. Um, it's been a good deal. So we're both doing Slain. They only have one expression, which is the Slain Irish whiskey, the triple casked blended whiskey. So that's what we're both drinking right now. Um, but let I'm going to get into that later on. Sorry. Yes. And let me just say that Becky was an absolute delight mm -hmm. and we loved chatting with her. And it was a great experience, I think for, I'm going to say for all of us, I'm going to speak for her now too, mm -hmm. um, because who wouldn't want to fucking talk to us? Um, Becky, but no, my friend, it was great to speak with her and she shared so much great information that I know you're going to cover in this podcast. And it was an absolute delight. And People should give her a follow, Nicholas, on the Instas, which you're going to share with them. I will, yes. Um, but because Paul's impatient, if you guys want to follow her now before I talk about Slain Whiskey, she is Drams with Becky on the Instagram. And you should follow her because she does delightful stories and posts. Um, I am impatient. You are impatient. Um, and since you're so impatient to, to jump ahead, do you want to get us started with our final bit of drunk Irish history? It would be my honor and privilege, hmm. as we like to say after we have a few sips, privilege. You go ahead and do that. I'm gonna clean up the mess I made. <sighs> mm -hmm. Y'all was making a mess. So ladies and gentlemen, I know you are in utter uh, exuberance to hear such a delightful drunk history from your dear co-host, Paul. And today I'm gonna to talk about the fall and the rebirth of Irish whiskey. You know, basically what we've heard, we've heard about the birth and the rise and a little bit of the fall from Nicholas in terms of Irish whiskey. So I'm just going to give a quick and dirty recap. And that is, first and foremost, 
this shit's old. Irish whiskey's old, as we covered. It started way back when, like, what, 11th, 12th century? I can't remember. Forever and ever ago. Monks made this shit, so it's a while ago. Exactly. This shit's got a, a, a historic starting point. But anyway, Ireland, particularly Dublin, was a whiskey powerhouse of the world in the 1800s. And a combination of events led to the decline of Irish whiskey, right? Nicholas did a fantastic job covering this last week, which was the invention of the coffee still and its wide adoption in Scotland, the Irish War for Independence and the subsequent trade war with Britain, you know, limiting British, the British market for export. You had prohibition in the United States, which was one of the number one buyers of Irish whiskey. So prohibition obviously impacted the Irish whiskey market. And one of the delightful things that we sort of learned from our dear friend Becky uh, that I found a fun tidbit for this information was during prohibition, because Irish whiskey was so well regarded, and hopefully I'm not stealing any of your notes, Nicholas, was so well regarded, bootleggers uh, started in the United States, bootleggers started labeling moonshine as Irish whiskey because they could up the price. And so as a result of that, um, it ended up leading to a confusion in the market among people about the actual quality of Irish whiskey. Correct. Um, Yeah. And so further limiting its resurgence after prohibition ended in 1933. See, and you didn't steal anything because I didn't go into like the deep dark past. I focused more on the whiskey and the distillery. So what good we for love you touching the history. What we love about you. And then throw on after prohibition World War II, and it's just like Jiminy Christmas, everybody. It's been a ride. So Jiminy in, Christmas. A Jiminy Christmas. Anywho, after World War II, it brings us to where Nick left off, which is 1966 the formation of the Irish Distillers Group, which brought together John Jameson, Powers, and Cork Distillers. And they chose, you know, all these distillers kind of chose to close their existing facilities and concentrate their operations uh, in a new uh, Middleton distillery built in Cork, which was constructed beside the old Middleton distillery. And it officially opened in 1979. Nicholas, you have been there. I have, and it's awesome. I have not. It kind of sucks that I haven't, but we'll get around to that at some point in the future. We'll fix so that. fast forward after 1966 to 1972 in Bush Mills, which was the only other operating whiskey distillery in operation in Ireland, uh, basically joined uh, the Irish Distillers Group in giving complete control of Irish whiskey production to Ireland, to the Irish Distillers Group. So to give you some perspective, like prior to this sort of decline, right? Because everyone's like, the decline, what's the decline? Yeah. You know, you had uh, 20 plus, I think, distilleries in Dublin. I don't even know how many throughout the, the country of Ireland prior to sort of its ultimate decline. And, and, you know, after basically 72, you had two, two distillers in the entire uh, or two distilleries, I guess, in the entire country of Ireland. So one from being like Dublin being the capital of whiskey production in the world yeah. in the 1800s to having two distilleries in operation by 1972. Womp Exactly. And basically, you know, during this time, whiskey production in Ireland dropped from about 12 million cases a year in around 1900 to 500,000 cases a year. Uh, in the 70s, which is a pretty dramatic drop, one would say. But this story has a happy ending. And that happy ending begins with the resurgence 
as we like to say after we've had a few uh, glasses of slain whiskey. It's called the Rousseuse. So in the late 1980s is sort of the beginning of a long and slow resurgence of Irish whiskey. In 1987, it started with the establishment of the Cooley Distillery, uh, which was the first, uh, basically the first distillery to open uh, or private distillery to open in Ireland in the 20th century. Um, and really was sort of the first expansion since the formation of the Irish Distillers Group in 1966. And Cooley Distillery was started by John, by Dr, excuse me, let me give proper titles, Dr. John Teeling, uh, who, who built this facility uh, at a factory that was used to distill industrial alcohol from potatoes. And you're like, Dr. John Teeling, what's so unique about him? Well, girl, let me tell you, it was fate accompli that he would be the person to sort of open the first um, independently owned Irish distillery in the 20th century. And you're like, why, why, Paul? Why was it fate accompli? Because Teeling wrote his doctoral thesis on the origins of Irish whiskey and how it could be revived. You can get a doctorate in that? You can get a doctorate in a lot of things. Uh, um, and I'm not I, saying that's a bad thing. I mean that you can, and that's exciting. I and I fucking did my life wrong. I was gonna say I've, I've I've obviously gone astray because I I fucked up somewhere to not have known this. Continue. Yeah. And so this brings us to 1988, and I'm gesticulating wildly. I almost knocked a book over. Um, the Irish Distillers Group was taken over by our dear, delightful friends and corporate overlord. I don't know why they're not really our friends, but the corporate overlord Pernod Ricard. They came in, they said, bitch, we won't buy you. Okay. And they and did. they said, okay. And they did. And basically their work led to in, an increased marketing of Irish whiskeys, right? Because they'd like, we got the money, we big. And they particularly focused on Jameson and selling Jameson overseas. And really Middleton, the new Middleton distillery is largely responsible for resurrecting Jameson with a new emphasis on depth and flavor. So Pernod Ricard came in and basically was like, okay, okay, okay. We go and change the formula up in Jameson to make it more sustainable. And that formula, we're going to change it from being a pot still whiskey to a blended whiskey. And they did it. And fucking the world won ape shit. Yep. This is Paul's drunk history version of this, by the way. I don't know if they actually won ape shit, but we're going to say they did. And people fucking love Jameson. They slurp it up left and right. They love it. We talked about it last week. We loved it. Hey, yo. Okay. Hey, yo. <laughs> right. <laughs> so since the 1990s, Irish whiskey has, be, has continued its climb to become one of the fastest growing spirits in the world. Uh, there's many examples that we can, we can go through sort of all of the new brands that have sort of developed over time. But for instance, in 2015, Teeling Distillery became the first new distillery built in Dublin City uh, in over 125 years. Yeah, which was exciting. And you're like, Teeling, hmm, that name sounds familiar to me, doesn't it? It does, because I just said it. Um, and because this distillery was started by Jack and Stephen Teeling, whose father, dear Dr. John Teeling, founded the Cooley Distillery in 1987. So talk about a family affair, if we will. Yeah, there's some like Irish drama around the Teeling distillery. And like some of the distilleries are like, yeah, it's easy when you have dad's money. But I, wow. that's just conjecture Listen, I've heard from everything, other people. Everything's easy when you have dad's money. True. Um, but no offense to them. Haven't had their whiskey. I'm sure it's delightful. Haven't had their whiskey. Um, so basically, yada, 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 a bunch of, I could flip through this mofo in the book and a bunch of places opened. You know, you've got 
you got a bunch of places. I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head, like Dingle, Dingle Distillery, yep. Castle Brands, Tullamore, you know, Walsh Whiskey, blah, blah, blah. A bunch of these places are opening over the years. So in 2019, according to Drinks Ireland, which is basically a business or lobby association in Ireland, as of December of 2019, there were 38 operational Irish whiskey distilleries uh, in Ireland, which was up from only four in 2010. That's nuts. I love that jump. Like, I love that they're moving in such an, an awesome, positive It's exploding. Direction. It's, you know, Irish whiskey has become an export powerhouse with products in over 140 markets worth over 1.44 billion euros, which is equivalent to about 1.71 billion US American dollars. So it's not, not a small industry by any means. Money. And it's still growing strong in 2020. Jameson saw a net sales growth of 3% from July to December of 2020. Because we were all at home drinking. Truth, true. Well, I mean, I know I was. Uh, Jameson, Redbreast, The Spot Range, and Method and Madness all achieved their highest ever H1 volumes. And you're like, girl, what's the H1 volume? H1 is sort of how, you know, in the, some of the in the business world sort of demarcate the first half of the business year. So basically these companies all saw their highest volumes of sales and production uh, in the first, you know, the first half of the 2020 fiscal year. Okay. And yeah. I will say Methanid Madness is delicious. And this, go, th this made me want to ask you a question, Nick, which mm -hmm. I know you are a spot person. I've not had any of the spots, but I know you have, and you're a big fan of Green Spot. Have you had the reimagined Blue Spot, which was really no. in November? No, I haven't yet. Um, so I'm excited to find a bottle of that. But Jameson, I've had a, a few of the different Jamesons. Redbreast, I've had their 15. Um, I've had Green Spot. I've not had Blue Spot. I'm looking for it. And I brought home a bottle of Methanid Madness. I want to say it was the single malt. It basically tastes like vanilla and waffle cones. It's fucking delicious. Man, it's hard to get. It's a, it's a pricey bottle, but it's not easy to get in the States. So you have to kind of have it shipped over and if you're in the right state or the wrong state, it proves more difficult. So we just need to go to Ireland and come home with the bottles. Sounds perfect to me. Yeah. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of my, my uh, segment of Drunk History on the fall and rebirth of Irish whiskey. Okay. Thank you for that. It was a very dramatic reading. It was. It was a dramatic reading by Paul. Um, and I get the pleasure of talking about Slane because we did. We had a really awesome phone call with Becky last week. Um, so I really appreciate Becky taking the time out of your day to talk with us. I think we like bent your ear for an hour about whiskey and Ireland and like everything in between. Um, so you're not getting rid of us that easily. I hope you're prepared for that. Jumping into Slane. Uh, there is one expression of Slane. We are right like now. barnacles on a whale, baby. Yeah, sorry, you're stuck Sign with us now. Up. And I kind of know where you live, which is nearby. Um, just saying. So slain. One expression right now. Um, rumor has it they're working on some other stuff, which is kind of exciting. So it's slain Irish whiskey, a blended whiskey, triple casked. And I'll get into what that means. But what we're looking at is 40% ABV or 80 proof. Uh, the price comes in around $30. Um, and then as far as nose, taste, and finish. On the nose, they're saying complex fruit with drizzles of caramel, butterscotch, vanilla, spice, toasted oak. Taste, um, spicy at first, quickly sweetens to a rich caramel, vanilla, butterscotch, um, a deep layer of dried fruits. And then on the finish, lingering hints of dried fruit and caramelized wood sugars. Um, so for me, this whiskey changes 
the first time I pour it from the bottle, the first couple of sips I have, it has a little bit of a burn. It definitely has some of that baking spice to it. Uh, for me, it's a little tannic on the sides of my tongue. It's delicious, but it gets better as it opens up. For me, it turns to like straight butter and butterscotch and caramel after a couple of minutes of being in the um, in the glass. It's it's really, really, really good. Um, so there's a great little quote on the website that says, Slain Irish whiskey brings grain and malt whiskeys together through the distinctive flavors of three casks. Um, so, and I'll get into the, the casking and how they do their process. Um, so like I said, Becky was kind enough to give us her time. You should all go give her a follow on Instagram. Like I said earlier, it is at Drams with Becky. Um, she does some really cool stuff. Um, so go follow her. She's definitely worth the follow. Uh, thank you again. Um, with that, so what we're looking at is a combination of Becky's knowledge and internet research, because I was a Ooh. little overly excited to be in the conversation with her, um, that my note is basically like serial killer chicken scratch. So I strung together. Oh my God, I have like 14 <laughs> pages in the little journal. I was like, uh -huh. yep. oh yeah. I have like stuff that I was scratching down and then I'm like, what the hell was I even writing? So there's like some internet stuff in here. There's some Becky stuff in here. Well, this so is great. I'll review my notes while you talk, and if I feel to interject, I will. You just, I mean, you do anyway, so you might as well. Um, Ooh, someone say I see. A couple ounces in. With that said, Slain Irish Whiskey, owned by Alex Cunningham, not spelt the way you think it is, by the way, because I tried to Google the man and I got confused. Um, oh, previous how's it spelled? Every article that I've come across for Alex Cunningham is spelled C-O-N-Y-N-G-H-A-M. Oh, that is not how I spell it. It is Irish as shit. Um, but then they refer to like the Cunningham family in, in kind of the spelling that we're accustomed to as boring Americans. Um, but mm. not the easiest man to find upon first American Googling. Um, they previously bottled under the name Slain Castle Whiskey. You can apparently still find bottles out there. They're not easy to find, but you can still get them. Um, it's actually what the local Irish bar still has listed on their menu is Slain Castle Whiskey. They don't go um, by the current brand name. Um, I was posting from this Irish bar this weekend and you will have to go there with me when you are up in the next coming months. Yay, curry fries and Slain Whiskey. So we'll be going there so you can try a bunch of different stuff. Um, yeah but I digress, Slain Castle Whiskey. Uh, that was from about 2009 to 2012. It was a venture of Alex and his fathers. Um, they kind of did this until the supply of their whiskey ceased and then so did sales. Sales dried up at that point. Um, now along comes Brown Foreman, corporate overlords. Uh, they are an American spirits and wine company. They also own Jack Daniels. Family uh, they, owned. Yep, the family owned, which is an important point. They, brought, they bought the brand in 2015, and they're the reason for the construction of the distillery. So the influx of cash from Brown Foreman is what enabled the distillery to be constructed at Slane Castle. Uh, they invested about 50 million euro into the project. The family, the Cunningham family is still a key part of the company and operations and branding though. Um, Becky shared a big part of the reason that Slane and Brown Foreman work so well is because they're family owned companies and they have this this shared belief in focusing on the next generation and preparing the company, preparing the castle, preparing everything that has to do with their family and what they own for the next generation. And that's why things work so well for them. 
Um, the distillery itself is based in Ireland, as it must be, given that it's Irish whiskey. Um, it's located on the castle grounds in Slane, which is about an hour, 50 minutes, an hour outside of Dublin. Um, huge emphasis on sustainability, which I remember saying for one of them, maybe it was Woodford. I was like, points for sustainability. And you were like, are we giving points for sustainability now? We're doing that um, because Slane is a huge proponent of sustainability. You had your hand raised. Did you want to say something? No, no, no. I was, I was being like, yeah, girl, we're okay. now giving points for sustainability of the world. Hello. One, one point um, for sustainability. But also, if, if we can take a moment to mm -hmm. sort of, you know, relate to people sort of the history of this, you know, of the Cunningham family and, and the Slain Castle and that the castle itself was built in 1703. Mm -hmm. So it's been around a long time. And it's been within the family. The entire time. The entire time. And it's still within the family. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then to your points, if you may continue now. <laughs> to your points, <laughs> you may continue about sustainability and sort of how they, you know, they're really, you know, the castle itself and where they ultimately built the distillery is, uh, what's the word? Historical landmark has some degree of heritage to it. Yeah. So they had to be very deliberative in how they installed a distillery on the grounds of Slane Castle. Yeah, and having such deep roots in the region and the family having been on the property for so long, they have a real love for the town and the local region. So they wanted to give back as much as they possibly could by producing work for people in the area, by being able to give back into the environment and not necessarily just take, but also give back. So a few examples of the sustainability that they're trying to create there, um, they actually heat the castle via the distillation process. So the heat that's created during the distillation process actually heats parts of the grounds. Uh, they're trying to grow a portion of the barley that they use, the rest they buy from Irish farmers in the region. Uh, the grain and yeast byproducts from the distillation process are given to local dairy farmers, which they use for animal feed. Um, they've installed a catchment system to collect and store rainwater off the roofs of the distillery buildings, which is then treated and then used for landscape irrigation. So it reduces the amount of water they have to take from the Boyne River. Um, the water that they do use is filtered and returned to the river, and they've actually gone ahead and installed salmon ladders. So now fish are getting farther upstream than they've been able to in the past several decades. Um, the list kind of goes on. Their goal is ultimately to be a zero waste and carbon neutral distillery, which I think is huge in the day and age we live in. Fucking amazing. Yeah, like this is what all businesses should be striving to do at this point. Um, the whiskey itself is brewed with estate-grown and locally-grown barley, like I said a minute ago, fermented in traditional wooden washbacks and fermented longer to create a more complex flavor. Uh, the malt and pot still whiskey are triple distilled in handcrafted copper stills, and then after distillation, the whiskey is matured in three different types of casks. So they use virgin oak casks, seasoned whiskey casks, and, oh, fuck's sake. Oloroso sherry casks. Sorry if I got that wrong, guys. Oloroso. Oloroso. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so I don't know why casks. I rolled my R's with that, by the way. Um, they're aged and then they're blended. So each of the casks lends something different to the whiskey. The virgin oak casks have a medium char. It provides kind of those toasted oak and vanilla notes. The seasoned casks are Tennessee whiskey barrels, Jack Daniels, for very obvious reasons, given the corporate overlord. Uh, that provides kind of that 
caramel, plum, banana, butterscotch flavor. And then the sherry casks kind of give it a raisin spicy note. For me, it's like fruitcake at the end. It has that kind of like sharp baking spice to it. So for me, it comes across as fruitcake more than raisin. Um, a great point that Becky made, and I completely agree after having a good amount of this over the last week, is that Slane is intended to be a sipping whiskey. It has a bit of a spine though. So to her point, I believe I just stole that quote from her. It can stand up to being put into a cocktail and they have some really great cocktails on the website. So I will link to those oh, in show notes. Right. Yeah, I'll link to that in show notes. Maybe we'll feature one of them on the Insta later this week. Um, there's also a really great concert series held on the castle grounds every year since the 80s. So it started in 81, I believe, right around the kind of the height of the Troubles in Ireland. Uh, Lord Cunningham, the Cunningham family, invited, local, uh, invited musical artists to perform on the grounds as sort of this positive, unifying event. Um, mm -hmm. There's this natural amphitheater on the property, and they've held the concert there ever since pretty much every August, almost every year since the 80s. Uh, some of the performers include Guns N' Roses, the Foo Fighters, Oasis, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Rolling Stones, U2, most recently Metallica. I feel like Freddie Mercury. It's like everyone. Freddie Mercury. I feel like everywhere I turn, Metallica pops up. Like I went to the Salesforce conference a couple of years ago. Metallica was there. Apparently Metallica now plays in at Slane Castle. Um, but yeah, it's delicious. It's sustainable. It's community focused and they love music. So what, so what really I also for? sort of took from our conversation with Becky was also the sort of the, the family has a historic history, story, story. Words. Um, uh, words are hard after you've had a few slains. Um, <laughs> but they have a history of sort of acts of defiance and grassroots connection and legacy building, right? Yeah. Um, it goes back to sort of the reason they ended up, you know, being be bequeathed. That's not the right word. That's not uh, the right word. No, that's not the right word. Uh, given the, the land on the Boyne River was because they fought for the Irish in, in a war against the British, right? Correct. And so they were sort of given this land. They built a castle on this land. It's been handed from generation to generation. They started this concert series because they're like, fuck y'all, we need to unite. Um during the hunger strikes in Northern Ireland and other stuff happening, you know, in, in Ireland at the time. And really one of the things that, that Becky said that stuck with me was sort of, they're really focused on leaving behind a legacy, not a footprint. Yes, that's a great quote. And I thought that was a phenomenal way to think about the, you know, the family and the whiskey and the impact that they're trying to have is a legacy, not a footprint. Yep. And all of us, by the way, that's what we should be trying to achieve, a legacy, a legacy print. Okay. Are we trying to leave a legacy behind with Whiskey Queens? Uh, uh, sure. What that <laughs> legacy is, is TBD. It's um, drunk is what it is. We're, we're, yes, a drunk legacy. Um, yeah, I'll have to think about that. Yeah, I'm okay with that if that's what we're leaving behind. Um, but yeah, you should all go find a bottle of Slane. Um, this one to me is especially for the dollar, one of the better whiskeys out there that you could easily stock into your bar. Um, like I said, for like 30 bucks, it's easy to come by. It's great for sipping. It changes after a couple of sips and after it's in the air for a few minutes. So it's, it's interesting. It's going to deliver something different after every sip. So I highly encourage people to go and pick up a bottle of this. It was good stuff. Yes. And that is, that is the end of Irish whiskey for now. Next week, we're off to Scotland. 
I know how exciting and also how underprepared I am because I know it's my responsibility to sort of plan that shit out and I haven't done it yet. Uh-huh. But you know who we can rely on for at least one recommendation of scotch? My homegirl, Becky. Exactly. Girl, you're not getting rid of us just so you're painfully aware at this point. She's um, probably like, I've just made the biggest mistake <laughs> of my life. She just blocked us on Instagram. She's like, I am fucking done. Um, but yeah, so next week you need to find a bottle of scotch and I'm going to do a bit of drunk history. Yes. Yes. And it's going to be good. You know what? It's going to be great. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.